drop. Hey Idaho Dems, welcome back to another episode of ID Pod, where we talk about Idaho politics and how it affects you, the voter. We're your hosts, Jesse Maldonado and Lindsay Johnson. And on today's episode, we have the current mayor of Boise, Dave Beter, and we talked to him about a slew of different things. Obviously, his favorite potato dish, and then kind of went into what it's like campaigning for a runoff that's just kind of unprecedented in the political world. Not they don't happen very often, especially here in Idaho and talked about some of his favorite accomplishments here in Boise, what he sees uh, the city turning into in the next 10 years, and some of the biggest issues facing the city of Boise. And this is the second part of our Boise runoff series, in which we talked to um, Councilwoman Lauren McLean and obviously Dave Beter. So we hope you enjoy both of these episodes heading into the runoff election. You can find all the information for the Boise runoff election at idahodems.org runoff. We're sitting with Mayor Dave Beter of Boise. We're happy to have you on the Idaho Democratic Podcast, ID Pod, as we like to call it for short. Happy to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. We usually open up each podcast with a question to our guests, yeah. an icebreaker about what your favorite potato dish is to eat. As an Idahoan, <laughs> our logo is a potato <laughs> microphone, so we really like to wow, hear is, what people's favorite potato dishes. That is not an easy question. <laughs> it's not. It's kind of uh, like bubble. From Forrest Gump, yeah. there's just so many different options. That's it. That's it. <laughs> you know, the, the easiest answer would be a, you know, baked potato with all the trimmings. We've gotten that before. Mm-hmm. Tots. I gotta go. With there tots. it is. There it is. First time we've had tots. I just gotta go with tots. Uh, you know, I like, love it. Uh, I know it's great because there's so many different ways. There's so many different ways, and there. I don't know if you know much about the history of the tot. I don't. But the tot was a byproduct. They were throwing the pieces away. Really? And somebody said, why don't we take those and make something out of them? Wow, I never heard that. And the tot was That's born. amazing. So it was... That person deserves cool. lots of awards. Creative. Yeah, why aren't they famous? Yeah, they should be. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going with the tot. I love that, that's good. Great. So tell us a little bit about yourself and a brief summary of your time as mayor of Boise and the office uh, you held before then too. I grew up here in Boise, lived across from the uh, co-op, actually. I was a Democrat before I was born, even, uh, <laughs> if that's possible. Yep. My, uh, my father's side of the family, my uh, grandfather was a railroad union man, and he uh, uh, kind of broke with his family. They were more Republican-leaning, and uh, that turned him pretty devout. And then my father, uh, too, my, on my mother's side, my grandfather was a sheep herder, and uh, she grew up... Uh, with Basque as her first first language, didn't speak English when she went to school. Uh, they uh, met here in Boise, and uh, my dad was quite active uh, uh, politically early on. He uh, was a, t- a teacher at North Junior High, at Boise High, and then Boise State, uh, and uh, you know, active in politics. Uh, and my mother as well. We uh, we always had signs in the yards or doing lit drops. They were. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Cecil Anderson, Frank Church would come to events with us or show up at the house to talk politics with my dad. And, uh, you know, I just thought everybody was a Democrat at that time because uh, those are the ones that I met. Uh, they would come to the Bass Picnic uh, with us. And, uh, in fact, Cecil Anderson threw me a nice tight spiral when I was about eight uh, on oh, a dead fun. run. And... Uh, <laughs> 
he's a, he was a lefty, and it was pretty impressive to a young kid. So uh, these Democrats are all right. My father uh, had always said when he retired from teaching, he'd run for the legislature, and we never thought he meant it. Uh, <laughs> he, 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 we knew how much he loved politics, but we thought by the time he retired, uh, he wouldn't do it. And sure enough, he retired and almost announced, you know, simultaneously. Right. You know, <laughs> but within six months, he had uh, he had lined it up to run for the legislature in, in 19. And, and at that time, this is 1990, 1997, wanted to run and uh, lined it up. And it was the Republican legislator retiring that created the opening, which... Uh, we, we wouldn't see that today. No, a little harder to <laughs> believe there. now, but okay. it wasn't... Uh, and he had an uh, opponent that was a moderate Republican, which is not around much anymore. Uh, and it, she was pretty well known, so it was... Uh, he, you know, he, he taught for 40 years. You know, He was teaching uh, sons and daughters of people he taught You know, by the time he retired. So he, he, he everybody knew him, but he, he doorbelled hard and worked hard and won... Uh, then he, he, he was elected, uh, excuse me, it was 96 and 98, and he took office in 99. Uh, and he and my mother were killed in a car wreck coming down from a call in January of 99, just a little ways into the session. And uh, my family wanted someone to succeed him if we could. Mm-hmm. My, uh, I had a brother, in uh, two brothers in graduate school. I had a uh, brother that's a judge and a sister that uh, had just had a baby, so it was... Uh, pretty clear I was the only one that was available. Uh, I like to say that we all gathered around and said, we want you to do this day. That really wasn't quite it. Uh, Put our name in and uh, Dirk Kempthorne uh, chose me, regrets it, I think, to this day, but uh, (laughs) he did do that. Uh, Just a little tidbit, a couple uh, weeks after I was uh, uh, sworn in, a person from the Secretary of State's office came said a friend of mine, a woman I know, and she said, I got something you might be interested in. And uh, the legislators all fill out a list of people to succeed him. It's actually a 1950s or early 60s era law that if somehow we were under uh, under siege or, you know, we couldn't, they'd reconstitute the legislature somewhere else, and these are the people that would, hmm. if we couldn't serve, that we would want to serve. It's really kind of an odd little thing. I didn't even know that that was there, but uh, every legislator fills one out, and my dad had filled it out, and he, he had put me on the at the top of the list. He, he picked three names, and he had put my name on there. He had never told me, and I would have never hmm. known, but he thought I wasn't interested, and I, I sure was. Yeah. So in any event, that's how my uh, appointed or elected office career began, and I served uh, from 99 was elected in 2000 and elected in 2002 and then uh, uh, Brent Coles who has recently resurfaced uh, uh, resigned under the under pressure of uh, uh, of being recalled and uh, so the opening was there mm-hmm. and I called my wife and uh, she had remembered that on our first date I had said uh, she said well, where, where do you think you're gonna live I said, well, I want to live in Boise because I want to run for mayor. And she remembered that on our first date, hmm. thankfully, because uh, <laughs> she was not shocked that I would want to run. Uh, and, uh, you know, when off we went. Uh, it, uh, you know, it was a, a Democrat never been elected mayor, to my knowledge, at least uh, years ago. Sure. Uh, 
but you know, in, in recent times, it's a nonpartisan uh, seat. But uh, you know, in in more recent times, and, and certainly in four year terms, there wasn't a, uh, you know anybody identified as a as a Democrat anyway. So it was a you know pretty steep hill. Mm-hmm. I did uh, you know the Republicans were playing for the runoff, uh, hoping to get second. Uh, and I went without one, and that was a pretty big surprise. And, uh, yeah. you know, and off we went. So you've been mayor for 16 years. So tell us why you want to continue to be mayor. Well, first, it's just a, it, it's a great job. It's a job that I love. Uh, you know, what I've said a lot is I wanted to play fullback for the Green Bay Packers, which is true. <laughs> but uh, barring that, uh, be the mayor of my hometown. And it's just... Uh, you know, it's such an honor to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, we've made such progress. Uh, you know, I talked about how I got, you know, how I ran, but uh, we were in tough shape. Uh, uh, no no faith in local government. I mean, embarrassment in a lot of ways. And then, uh, you know, now we see, uh, you know, the vibrancy and vitality that we have. But, you know, this momentum is, is, is just so good. There's so many good things going on. But it's a fragile kind of thing, and I and I mm-hmm. and I see that, and I see the uh, just the political environment and the uh, you know the context of things, and I feel so deeply that I want to move it further along, uh, and you know, like I've said, and uh, there's a, be a time for me to step aside, and I, uh, I have a lot of family and friends in this town. And I know they will tell me uh, <laughs> uh, when it is time. And they, uh, to a person from my immediate family to friends of mine, have said, you know, you need to keep doing this. Uh, and that's and that really is why. You know, we've built a culture in the city government. Uh, for instance, in our police department, uh, those cultures are so important. If the culture of your police and the relationship between the police and the community is not strong and really uh, where it ought to be, you can't really get to other issues. You know, you can try, but that issue uh, uh, will keep you from doing other things. And will uh, uh, it just has to be there. And we've been so blessed that from Mike Masterson to Bill Bones that the culture of the department and the relationship with the community uh, has has we built that so strongly uh, but we have a new uh, police chief I managed to convince Bill Bones to stay more than a full year past when he mm-hmm. was eligible to retire and uh, uh, there's a you know the new mayor will pick the new police chief along with the council approval and that uh, that is just so important and we, we've shown that we've uh, we've gotten that right you know, uh, crime is down 45% since I took office. That's a big number. It, it wasn't, you know, out of hand before then. But we had a, uh, the culture of our police was not where it should be. We had uh, officer-involved shootings. We had complaints to the department. That says where, you know, we're getting there. Complaints sure. complaints fell down to almost nothing. Uh, you know, the incidents have, have tailed off where, where people understand that, you know, uh, the officers were in, you know, direct danger themselves. So that's why, uh, you know, I believe that we've shown we can handle this kind of growth uh, and channel it 
uh, in a way that serves us well. Sure. You know, look at downtown, look at, look around town, look at the things that, that we've been able to do. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I believe that, that I'm best situated to do that. There are tough decisions to be made, and I've made dozens of those mm -hmm. uh, for the long-term best interest of the city, and I'm prepared to do that again. So my entire adult life, you've been the mayor of Boise. I've only lived here since March, but I'm just curious if you have the one thing that you're most proud of that has happened under, what is that thing that you're most proud of that's happened under your leadership? The toughest decision that I've ever had to make was to, uh, to have to take down uh, a homeless camp that sprung up uh, in downtown Boise. And that, uh, uh, that uh, that decision, you know, I've lost friends over it. I lost a lot of sleep over it. But that decision has proven to be one of the most important decisions I think that I've made, because it uh, one our our officers uh, did so well with it. They were on a first name basis with those folks. Mm -hmm. uh, not only they didn't know the campers' names, they knew their dogs' names. I mean, literally, they were they were so that when it came time. Uh, they could do that, and and without incident. Uh, but it, you know, uh, it it was the mistaken belief that they couldn't uh, keep people from camping because of the of the court case that's still going on. Uh, and that 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 led to the camp. You know, in a in a fairly short time, uh, in a matter of weeks, it sprung up uh, because of that. So we know cause and effect. They didn't issue citations for a time and then it got and then it got bigger and we'd hoped in the winter it would get it would tail off and it didn't and it got bigger and mm -hmm. uh and that decision though uh it did two things it uh it showed uh well you make a tough decision for the benefit of the city and then and then and it, it happened well and then the uh you know our officers knew that they could could cite as a last resort there's all we've done uh, i'm so proud of the things we've done uh we have a uh, we didn't have a detox center uh, to treat people with substance abuse. Uh, now we have detox and crisis mental health that's free. Alamba House. Uh, we have uh, catch as a program for for uh, family homeless uh, families experiencing homelessness, and uh, that's a city uh, program that we were able to roll out to a to a nonprofit. We have uh, two new housing projects, uh, one called New Path. 45 chronically homeless people have a great place to stay. It's right on Fairview downtown. We have a, a, a veterans homeless uh, going to open up in just a couple of months with services in those. The housing first model, get them into a safe place, give them services that will help them, uh, you know, hopefully get out of homelessness. We have a program where uh, uh, folks from the Interface Sanctuary work for our parks department uh, and then several of them, uh, around a dozen, have have uh, gotten their own housing because of that, or a better job after that job. So we're working on all these fronts and having real success and momentum. But none of that would, I don't think, would continue to be possible if if camping uh, stayed or was mm -hmm. allowed to continue. Because I, what what happens? Uh, people get, you know, we've had a lot of philanthropy and a lot of groups that have come become more involved when we, when they see momentum people really want mm -hmm. to be a part of that when they see that what I do here is going to have a positive influence uh, the hospitals the 
housing authority, the state, the county, other cities, uh, you know, philanthropic organizations get involved. But if if the camping gets to a point, they it can go the other way. Mm-hmm. They lose their empathy uh, because of the activity. It's unsafe for the people in the camp, and it's uh, it tends to you know to harden people against it, and then you have an even tougher time. So mm-hmm. well, that was the hardest decision, and I think it's been uh, proven to be one of the best decisions. But I would, what I love to do is go to a park, go to a library, sure. uh, unannounced and unseen, and just watch people mm-hmm. enjoy it. I love to go to uh, Esterson Park. I love to go to Day Park uh, up on Federal Way. Yeah. And I'll just hang out for a little while, and uh, I'll, I'll get I'll go into a, a neighborhood library and you know grab a book and sit and watch and. Uh, you know, see refu- ref- refugee families uh, uh, enjoying it. See, you know, uh, refugee kids using computers and uh, you know, speaking really good English. And you know, you just know that's that's the thrill of it—just to watch something that you took from the beginning to the end, mm-hmm. and uh, and people enjoying it. So, do you think? Obviously, you know, it's a decision that's weighed in weighed on you a lot. Homelessness is the biggest issue facing Boise right now. It's always the toughest of any city. I think it's the toughest issue that we deal with, uh, and I uh, uh, and it will continue to be. Mm-hmm. And I believe that it that we are better positioned than any city. And I'm not, you know, uh, I'm familiar with a lot of cities. Uh, I do, and I, you know, uh, certainly that certainly of our size, but even cities smaller than us. Uh, we've had folks come from Olympia. And from other smaller cities, uh, let alone Spokane, and say, "How are you guys doing this? How are you able to make progress?" You know, it's so common for people to come to Boise and say, "I just can't believe how clean it is. Mm-hmm. I can't believe how how safe it is." I walk around, uh, and I can't. I just, can't, I'm, I'm, you know, people are always that always strikes them, and uh, so we know that we're we're doing it right. We have. Uh, the possibility, and that's what I focused on in the last state of the city, to eliminate, and that's a big word to use, but to end family homelessness. And that's, you know, because the number mm-hmm. is around 150 families in the county, you know, that is a big number. You know, one is too many, but, uh, you know, in other cities, the, the problem is so overwhelming that they really don't even know where to start, and they they try to plug away but it, it, it's uh, you know it's too much here we have a chance uh, like I like I've, I've never seen in the time I've been here or, or like I don't see in any other city and the and the collaborative effort and momentum that we have is unprecedented and uh, to have that chance uh, and that is a you know central to why I want to keep doing this I had a reporter from the New York Times come yesterday uh, to talk about this issue hmm. And he, uh, uh, you know, he came at it that way and, uh, you know, and sees the difference from, you know, other cities that he goes to and says, uh, you know, why is that and why, you know, why are you different and, uh, you know, is going to write about the issue from all sides, obviously. Uh, But, you know, uh, just like, like many people, he's struck by why. 
you know, why is it different here and why, uh, why do you think that is? And I think it's that combination of things. Uh, but not having uh, camps that, that are unsafe and, un, uh, and unhelpful, but that, that also don't, uh, you know, don't, don't harden people against, uh, mm-hmm. against the issue and that those experience in it. So it is fundamental to why I want to do this. Uh, it is part of growth, unfortunately. And growth is so intense. I think I can both handle and and channel growth in a productive way, and we've proven that. And uh, one of the toughest issues, the toughest issues coming out of it, uh, we are poised to to do even better. So you said crimes decreased forty five percent. You said since you took office, and there's been so much growth um, over the years, and so much has changed in the city. How do you see Boise in 10 years? Like, where do you see the city 10 years from now? Well, uh, I uh, let's just start right there. I hope it's a safer, safer, because it has gotten, that's what's been so, that's what's been so great. It, it wasn't in a, it wasn't a particularly unsafe place, but we've been able to make it safer and safer. <laughs> you know, when it's already headed that way, to have more gains, is more difficult and we've been able to do that so uh you know as safe certainly uh or even safer moving forward i uh mm-hmm. economically is that's a hugely important thing and i think what we've worked on uh especially the last four or five years is, is a diversity of uh, of opportunity we have an industrial park that the city owns the property and leased with an agent uh, in an industrial uh, urban renewal area that uh, can help with the infrastructure because because of how important those jobs are. Folks uh, from CWI, folks with technical backgrounds and talent will have more opportunity in the city of Boise to do that, along with uh, Trailhead, which is our startup incubator uh, that's a little more uh, tech-inclined. Uh, that's, I think, uh, an important piece of this. And one of the things I'm... I'm just so excited about this is the in uh, our apprenticeships. Apprenticeships are the future of so many uh, so many businesses. And it is uh, I've been I've been trying to figure out the city's place in this. And over the course of the last year or uh, last you know, last two or three years anyway, we believe we we you know we have. Uh, the, the place where we would go, and it's a, it's an office of apprenticeship development located not necessarily at the city or, uh, but it would be, uh, it would help, uh, it would be like a, like a center where, where people could go uh, to explore apprenticeships, and then the office could help get more apprenticeships going. Mm-hmm. I, that is one of the most exciting things mm-hmm. that's come about uh uh, over the last couple of years, and I really want to see forward. I'd love to see public transportation uh, like we like we really need in that mm-hmm. ten years. Gosh, I'd hope the trains would be running by then, uh, or about to. Mm-hmm. But certainly a, a system that uh, that works for folks. I've been uh, I've done you know everything uh, you know that we can do, uh, but we're going to need a funding source. People. Uh, you know, people will write it if it's convenient. If, it, right. if, it's, if it's where I am and it's where I'm going uh, and it's affordable, I'll, they'll write it, and they do. Uh, but that's, right. that's, that's a huge issue in that time. And then, I, you know, that we grow in the way, uh, continuing like we're doing, uh, 
mix of uses, walkable, bikeable communities where what you a lot of what you need in your day are located close by you. Uh, you know that we do more of that uh, all around town, downtown included. Uh, and then finally, just let me say this: this is an important piece of this as well. You know, when I grew up, Boise, when I was a kid, Boise was forty thousand people, forty, fifty. Hmm. You know, it's two hundred and forty now, and yet it feels like a small town to me, and yeah. not just mm-hmm. to me. It feels like a small town to people that just came here. Yeah, I mean, I would echo that coming yeah. from a town of thirty-five thousand people. It feels like you still see people. You know, know I yeah, agree too. no, it feels like a small and, town for sure. And people treat you like it's a small town. Mm-hmm. You know, they let you into traffic and wave at each other and. They, They'll say hello to you. You know, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll know a neighbor, uh, and they won't think you're up to something. You know, you can have that conversation. You can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people look out for each other, and uh, there's that civility and kindness that has been central to why we've been successful. And people, for the last several years, uh, had a guy who come came to Saturday office hours. He said, "Mayor, you've got to keep that here, and you have to be more deliberate about it." Mm-hmm. Because you think this is the way it is everywhere, or, or if you think it's the way it is everywhere, it is not. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he'd been here six or seven years. Sure. And I had that echoed several times around town, and that's where yeah. Boise Kind came from. And that has already, we've had a work day where we had thousands of people involved. We had, you know, Boise State's getting involved, uh, 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 private businesses. Uh, people have have grabbed a hold of this I'd have more people stop me and say you take you stay with that Boise kind mm-hmm. stuff uh, uh, across uh, the supermarket at the movies I don't think anything that we're working on has ever generated more uh, more sure. enthusiasm people saying you do that so mm-hmm. that's I think in the next 10 years that mm-hmm. we're you know as kinder kinder that that's that basic yeah. small town feel is still there and even you know grown I'm gonna live here <laughs> yeah, right. I don't plan on leaving no matter what. Uh, but to 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 you know to be able to move that uh, forward in this way and uh, you know and see that still here or even stronger is uh, is exciting. Wanted to talk about you mentioned this earlier about being in a runoff. Obviously, that's you know why you're here. And we had um, Councilmember McLean on the podcast yesterday. A lot of we all work in politics on campaigns, all that fun stuff. Usually, you know. November 2nd to 8th is usually when it ends. Those are the only election days that we can ever have. It's over. And here we sit on November 21st, and you've got an election, you know, runoff election coming on December 3rd. What's it like being in a runoff? Well, uh, it's um, (laughs) precedent. It's, I mean, I know you've already said that. It it, it is the oddest thing, and I've been around politics for quite a while. I've ever experienced, but it is... um, well, let me say this first. Uh, you know, it it beats the alternative uh, of losing sure. <laughs> first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't beat the alternative of winning first round, and I've experienced that. Uh, and it is a it, what I do know. It it is a different dynamic. It is from the from the Wednesday after the election. You can tell right away. This is just a different beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you usually just get to sleep in on Wednesday. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and it, I didn't sleep at all, so right. it was uh, easy uh, not to sleep in. The uh, So, you you know, but you, you start getting calls right away. I start getting calls right away 
uh, and the breadth of people who called was was fascinating, you know, and the and the dynamics were just different right away, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so that that much I know. Uh, I've been really pleased with the support that I've uh, gotten uh, uh, across the board, volunteers, uh, uh, donors. Um, you know, I think when you're uh, when you've been in office a while, there's a certain complacency, and uh, and you know, people say, I didn't think I, you know, you needed me, and well, I'll I'll get out, I'll, I'll help. I'll. What I do know is a day in a runoff is, election is like a week <laughs> or two. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's it, you know, it's stunning. Mm-hmm. Four weeks sounds like nothing, but in political yeah. terms and in runoff terms. That is a year and a half. Right. Uh, uh, that much I know as well. You can always get more people. You can always get more money, but you can never get more time. Well, that's, that's it. Uh, but it isn't. I mean, it's intense, but it, it it it's a totally different view of time. Campaigns can can be like that, but this is, you know, uh, yeah, expedited overnight yeah. shipping on this election. Yeah. Well, you've yeah. been like you told us about your extensive political career. You've been campaigning for years. What's your favorite part of campaigning? Talking to people um, all around, but mm-hmm. uh, talking to people at their door is is a great thing, uh, and I've done a bunch of it. Uh, but I, I did a lot of it this this campaign, and I'll do some more. You know, in the next days, it's uh, you know people now. It's just great, and it, it kind of goes on. Uh, it goes across the spectrum, but they'll say, "Oh my God, Mayor, you're at my door." You know, because mm-hmm. they'll recognize me, uh, and at the same, you know, we'll have a good conversation. Uh, but you know, dozens of people just, oh, hi, let's talk. I mean, they're not. Right. You know, it's. I wouldn't necessarily say it's. It's expected, but it's very, very matter of fact, and I think that's mm-hmm. great. And the, uh, you know, going around town. Uh, yeah, I've always enjoyed that. You need to get sort of back. You know, I've done a lot of it over the years, and you know, uh, you don't do it uh, too much in the off season. You, you engage with people in a lot of ways, but that's the best part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at uh, tailgate. We had a tailgate party last Saturday, and uh, I probably talked to 250 people. Uh, you know, we had we gave them a shorty show or a hot dog, and uh, mm-hmm. off we went. And they just want to talk about everything. Uh, so those are the best parts of it. Uh, the fundraising is the worst. <laughs> and if there's a yes. candidate out out there that doesn't say that that's the worst, then yeah, they're lying. <laughs> Who would you say has had the biggest impact on your life, politically speaking, or just yeah. removing politics in general? Well, politically, it's easy. It's, it's Cecil Anders. He was. Uh, people say, is he a role model? I said, no, he's not a role model. He's my hero. Uh, you know, and people don't. You know, they, they use that word either uh, incorrectly or or not at all. I mean, he, uh, I, I knew him since when I was a kid. I uh, One of my first big political uh, wins was a sixth grade representative. We decorated the Christmas tree in the governor's office, and I pulled that off, and kids love that. Uh, <laughs> so that was the big win right then when I was 12 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then when I was, you know, running and when I was elected, you know, to be able to talk to him about, 
doing an executive job like this was just phenomenal. So, uh, you know, beyond that, my parents, but especially my my mom was a, uh, she was incredible because she, uh, it's, it's amazing to be able to say about anybody, but she never did less than she uh, expected of herself. I mean, she never let me down. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is, I can't even imagine saying that uh, about anyone. Uh, when when she died, one of her friends said, your mother was the most authentic person I've ever known, and I can't think of many better things or anything better to say about someone than that. And she, uh, my my father was a was a great man, and a, but a very public person. And she was not. So people will say, "Gee, you got to follow your dad." And I, you know, of course, I, I agree with that. Uh, but uh, in my family, we know that the gold standard and the highest bar is my mom. And you know, so I could say that and mean it in a in a public sense, but in a you know what kind of person you are. There's no higher bar, and that's a big, uh, you know, that's a big influence. So, uh, and uh, uh, great to be able to say about someone, but to be able to say about a parent, I think, is really mm-hmm. something. So, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So, I guess this is our last question. Um, if there's one thing that our listeners that you would want them to take away from this podcast interview, uh, what would it be? Well, uh, vote for me early or on <laughs> December 3rd. Uh, I didn't think you'd expect me to say anything other than that, would you? No. Uh, uh, you know, uh, obviously they have to be Boise uh, residents. Uh, mm-hmm. We do have some listeners outside of Boise, for yeah. sure. But So I'd like them to vote too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm kidding yeah, about no, no, that. He's kidding. I am kidding. Uh, no, I, you know, it's important. It's an important time. It's an important vote. Uh, uh, I've been very active in, uh, you know, I'm assuming most of your listeners are Democrats. You know, I've mm-hmm. worked my tail off for this party I've uh, since I was a kid. Uh, uh, one of the things I'm most pleased with is District 15 because mm-hmm. I was out there a whole lot. Uh, and, you, you know, you, you want to say you knew someday it would tip. Uh <laughs> But where that tipping point would be was anybody's guess. And, you know, I'd go to fundraisers and I'd, you know, talk to folks and, and work with them. And, uh, you know, and lo and behold, it did. So I, uh, you know, I've been in there slugging away for a long time. And I think the success in the legislature, the success in, uh, in the county commissioner races, mm-hmm. the success... Uh, you know, in, in building some infrastructure. Uh, I think a lot of that is due to to having a Democratic mayor. It's due to, to my win. And I I say that with all humility, but people get a look at what Democratic governance is like and they want more of it. And that's mm-hmm. proven to be the case. Uh, and it's appealed to a broader, you know, group, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, business understands that Democrats will be good for business. They'll build the infrastructure in, you know, in situation that you need to succeed. And uh, so I, you know, I'd ask them to, to, to understand that, uh, you know, talk to folks. I think they'd uh, they'd agree with you about that. 
Yeah. And then I'll keep doing that and, and do it even more. Uh, so. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Mary. Time's flown. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. You just you just had, it was, took five days for this interview as far as campaign time goes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's true. So you better get back out there and knock on some doors. Uh, I will do that. Thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, anytime. Yeah, thanks for being here. That's a wrap on today's episode of ID Pod with Mayor Dave Beter. For other information on the runoff election on December 3rd, please head to idahodems.org slash runoff. Thanks for listening. Make sure you get out and vote if you live here in Boise. And those of you who uh, are in Caldwell also, make sure you get out and vote in that Definitely. runoff election as well. And we'll see you next time on ID Pod. Thanks for tuning in. Bye, guys.